1: A midweek gathering of Birds 365 during the off, 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 off season. At some point, yes, the Eagles will return. But we can always talk about them. We do here on Birds 365 with me, Jordan McDonald, and my partner, John McMullen. Uh, we've got a couple legal things that we will get into over the course of the day. But once again, John, biggest story in football, and it has, and we can spin it into an Eagles issue. Sean Payton walks away from the New Orleans Saints. And I was home yesterday uh, just doing prep work to go on WIP last night, nothing special, uh, probably watching the leftover raw that I hadn't gotten through the night before. Um, And the uh, word came down that Sean Payton was walking away, had heard uh, rumors of rumblings of it within the last 24 hours. And sure enough, it happened. Uh, And then he had, as far as I can remember, the longest press conference, walkaway press conference, yeah, we, just finished, we just finished up with uh, four walk-off games in the National Football League. And Sean Payton also set a record by having the longest walk-off uh, post-retirement interview that I had ever seen. And it was a fascinating watch. He probably could have done it in 15 minutes rather than over an hour and a half, but he didn't want to. And they had great questions to ask him, and he was so contemplative and so uh, just insightful, I couldn't turn away from it. I, he was dying for a cigarette. I wanted to go out and have a cigarette, but I didn't <laughs> want to walk away from what Sean Payton had to say. Uh, I can see him do television. He's just going to have to pick up the pace a little bit because he liked like to stop and think and give complete yeah. answers. Uh, and in uh, television, you got to be a little quicker. Um, but I, I, I well, this is another one that, John, I didn't see coming. Did you have an inkling that something like this was going to happen?
2: Not, not specifically, not this late in the process, typically from both sides. You know, we talked about it last year with Doug Peterson. You want to make that decision as quickly as possible because everybody is working off the same list, which I don't necessarily agree with. And now the saints are behind the eight ball unless they're going to stay in house with Dennis Allen, which is uh, a significant possibility. We'll see how that shakes out. But um, so typically both sides want to get an answer to something like that pretty quickly. Uh, so anytime it it takes this long of a time, uh, but you give somebody like that deference who's had that much success, and um, in, in, in you saw the press conference, and I tried to get a couple of New Orleans people on here this morning, and then I forgot, well, they had to sit through that 92-minute press conference like Jody McDonald, and then write everything off of it, so those guys are probably pretty busy, but um, yeah, I, you know, as far as the TV aspect, it's going to be interesting. You know, my, my biggest comparison, my most natural comparison would probably be Bill Cower because for so many years you heard the rumors, uh, uh, you know, Cower's coming back. Cower bought a house in Charlotte. Cower's doing this. Cower's doing that. Is you know, and he's going to come back and he got the TV and it's a nice gig. It's a, a, a large paying gig. It's an easy gig and he was good at it and he never left. And that's what I think is going to happen with Sean Payton in the short term. Uh, he's going to go to TV and who knows if he's good at it, he might never leave. But a lot of people aren't good at it because, as you said, as contemplative he is, as smart as he is, you got to be able to encapsulate your feelings really quickly, get them out there, explain them to people, and it's a little bit harder than people uh, think it is. And you look at a natural, like, just from color commentation, co- color commentators, Tony Roma's is a natural, right? He stepped right in the booth. Then think about Jason Witten. They're like, all right, let's show, go get a bunch of cowboys. Well, Jason Witten wasn't quite as good. Really smart guy if you talk to him. But you got to get your, your thoughts out there quickly. you got to be able to do it in, in the fashion that uh, uh, you're required to. So there's no guarantee he'll be good at TV. There's, there's a guarantee he'll get an opportunity. And if he does, who knows, he might stay. But I think everybody, and I mean everybody in this league, immediately said, I don't know when, but he's going to end up in Dallas. Um, maybe after a year you know, maybe right away. If Jerry Jones says, I don't care, let's go get him. Let's offer a first round pick, whatever you have to offer to the new Orleans saints. Uh, you know, he's not going to let Mike McCarthy stand in his way to get Sean Payton. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen after a year, probably, uh, unless the Cowboys miraculously win the super bowl, then he can't fire the guy. But, um, yeah, I, I, But I look at Bill Cowher and I say, if he gets in that chair and he's good at it and they want him, and I'll say, we'll keep paying you and paying you and paying you and paying you, you." it's a lot easier job, a lot easier than than the grind of coaching. And he's clearly uh, um, burned out a little bit. But then there's the part of it, look, the Saints have – And this is the part where he's got some criticism from people. The Saints were a significant contender for a very long time, and they acted like it both on and off the field. They spent a lot of money. They got in salary cap issues. Then the quarterback left, and all of a sudden, you don't have a quarterback, and you got salary cap hell. And it's not easy. It's not easy to be competitive. And he did one of the best coaching jobs in the NFL this year because they were very competitive using, I think at last count, 114 quarterbacks, and still were able to be very, very consistent and and be in most games and and be competitive. And that's really difficult to do. So he's a very good coach, burnout, but he's also a coach at his age and that what he's been through, he probably doesn't want to go through a significant, whatever you want to call it, Jody, rebuilding process, transition process. You don't want to go through that, in my estimation. couple of things. Number one, I wouldn't say
1: they're behind the eight ball. I'd say they're behind the pack uh, trailing because we now have nine openings for head coach in the National Football League, and there have been Zero hires. So they technically still have everyone available to them because no one else has landed anywhere. Some are further along in the process, certainly, but nobody has actually made their hire yet. So, Yeah, but
2: that's big. Can I jump in there, Joe? Yeah. Because that's big. That's what happened to the Eagles last year. The Eagles got an interview with Robert Sala and they got an interview with Arthur Smith, but that was more out of difference and respect. They weren't in the conversation because those two were already deep in negotiations with their respective jobs that they got and everybody in the league knew they were getting those jobs. It was just a matter of timing. And they said, Jeffrey wanted to meet with them. Okay. We'll meet with them. We'll meet with the Eagles. We'll do, but they were never really in the mix for those two specific high profile candidates. And then Brandon Staley was the third who didn't even pay deference and said, now don't worry, I'm going to get the Chargers job for, you know, I, I don't want to come in. For an interview. So yes you're right. Technically obviously nobody's jumped into the pool. Nobody's hired. But a lot of these organizations. Know who they're going to hire. And are just. For for instance Chicago. They they hired their GM yesterday. Now you'll see it probably move. Pretty quickly as far as. Same thing with the Giants. Um, Minnesota if they hire the guy. From Cleveland you'll see it pick up. But they already know. (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna hire. They're just they're just playing the game because remember, there's a public relations part of this too. You don't want to be the team that doesn't uncover every, every rock. You got to deal with the Rooney rule. You have all these hurdles, all these things. Usually these teams identify candidates pretty quickly and they know which direction they're going. It might be two or three, but it's not nine or ten. And the rest of it's window dressing. So it does hurt to start that far behind everybody else who's already gotten a head start with the so-called hot candidates. But then again, Jody, that's one of my biggest problems with the NFL. They all they, there's a big groupthink mentality. Oh, it's this is the year of insert names. Last year it was Smith. Last year it was Salah. Last year it was Staley, late, later in the process. Those were the hot names. Everybody interviewed them. Go back and look at how many interviews Arthur Smith had and how many interviews Robert Salah had specifically, because they were one and two, were 1A and 1B, however you want to describe them. Everybody wanted to talk to them. Everybody's working off the same list. Saints are going to have the same list as everybody else unless, and if I were a betting man, and I have no knowledge of their, I would say keep it in-house and go with Dennis Allen.
1: That's that's the way I think it's probably going to end up. Um, but the one thing I will disagree with you on, uh, you're confident to last your Eagles situation because Doug Peters got fired a week after. Eagles were 4-11-1. and one. Saints are 9-7. and seven. So uh, maybe the guys who've had other interviews ever, uh, elsewhere say, ooh, the Saints job came open. Let me keep my options open there and go down and talk to them. When the Eagles jumped in late, It was a 4-11-1 team jumping in that might not have been at the top of the list of guys who were looking to take another job. So I get your comparison, but I don't think it's exactly the same because it is a different job that you would be inheriting if you were to make a play for uh, something like that. Uh, So, yeah, now we have nine openings and we have no hirings yet. I get it that the whole league calendar has shifted because they went to a 17th game. But we had most of the jobs filled by this time on the regular calendar than we do this year with no hirings yet. And we'll see what Sean Payton does. Do you? And I I wanted to touch on this. Shame on me. I never saw this story before. I don't know if it just came out because Sean Payton retired. Uh, I had heard the same things that you had, that Jerry Jones was enamored with Sean Payton and was absolutely contemplating how he could uh, get Sean Payton. That a deal was actually in place. Did you, you know this story ahead of time? I had never heard it or read it or seen it before. Yesterday, that it was a
2: done deal. That- um, uh, yeah, something with Anthony Davis because yes. the, the the Saints and the uh, and and the Pelicans are run by the same people. I don't know the if Benson, they still yes. are, but they were. Um, so Mickey Loomis was, which is goofy. but <laughs> I can't believe. It. They got away from uh, with that for as long as possible, and then began, I, the, the the and I'll call it the theory. I I don't know if it's ever been confirmed. Is they were willing to let Sean go to the Cowboys because um, both sides wanted it, and uh, Anthony Davis was a, such a hit to the city of New Orleans that they didn't want two significant hits under the same management, I, I I don't, I don't know if that's true. All I know is true is that Jerry Jones loves Sean Payton and Jerry Jones would love Sean Payton to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So that part I think is, is pretty concrete. I, I don't know if they run their business the way they run their business, they were pretty successful. I don't think they're making decisions based on basketball players. That part is a little bit more difficult for me to believe, but I just mentioned PR as a part of coaching searches. You never know. You never know what people think. And, 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 you know, maybe Mickey Loomis would have been the most hated man in the city. And maybe that affected his reasoning. Um,
1: well, I, I don't think it was Loomis. I think it was Benson's. I think it was the ownership level. Same group owns both teams. We're gonna be the team that's gonna trade away Anthony Davis, probably the greatest player. It's not that long a history, but the greatest player in the history of the franchise. And then, oh by the way, we're gonna trade the only winning Super Bowl coach that's ever coached the New Orleans Saints. Oh, I think it's a completely plausible story, and yeah, I mean, I can't. Accurate.
2: I can't speak to owners because you just said something that that hit <laughs> a nerve with me the only Super Bowl winning coach in franchise history, which he is, well, they fired the guy here in three years. So owners can do whatever they want. Um, so that you're right in that aspect. It's just strange thinking to me. Um, and I've never seen it confirmed anywhere. So I, I know people from the NFL side, look, I mean, there's no doubt that Jerry Jones wanted Sean Payton in Dallas. Um, so that part, the, the NBA part, and maybe you've talked to some NBA people, maybe they would have a better feel for that part of it. it. It it That strikes me as strange. But, again, owners are strange sometimes. I mean, yeah, they, the more money you have, the more eccentric you get. So, Here, yeah, here's, maybe.
1: Here's the piece of the puzzle that uh, wasn't, and the report that I read wasn't discussed at all that uh, just makes a ton of sense to me. Chances are the Saints didn't really want to let this happen, but they didn't want to move on from Sean Payton. That Sean Payton, that Jerry Jones came to them and said, "Well, I'll give you a first-round draft pick uh, if he's ready to move on. I'm ready to make a deal." And they talked to Sean, and he said, "Well, if if you want to assign my contract to another team, there's nothing I can do about that." And then let them know, yeah, he'd be cool with it. But they probably really didn't want to do it. So, when they do have this upheaval with their basketball team as well, they go back to Sean and go, Sean, we just can't trade you. We know you'd like to go to Dallas. You're formerly there, live in Texas, blah, blah, blah. blah. But we just, we're sorry that we've discussed this, but we can't do this now. Are you good with staying? We'll talk about a contract extension, which, of course, they did. Gave him a nice, big, fat contract extension, and he ended up staying. But uh, I think they might have done it because. They didn't really want to trade Sean Payton to the Dallas Cowboys, and this came an out, so they used it.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, with owners, anything is possible. So uh, I do know if you if you agree to something like that and and then you say no at the last minute and you use that as an excuse, you better clear things up. You better clean things up with Sean Payton because he didn't make any waves about it. And, and the theory is that he's always wanted to – to go back to Dallas as well. And if that were the situation, maybe that's the, where my biggest red flag raises up. Like if they agreed to a deal and Sean Payton was on board and then they rescinded from that deal, I, he's the type of guy is not going to go quietly in the, in the good night. So either, as you mentioned, they made a heck of a financial apology or, you know, I, 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 look anything's possible but it's 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 a very strange story i'll say that you're
1: not buying it i am that's fine um and what happens with Sean Payton going forward is certainly yet to be seen. Uh, I think if he wants to go to TV, if there's a spot for him. Um, well, there'll be the, a
2: spot for him.
1: <laughs> well, both of the the major networks have guys already in place. So he could supplant someone, but it isn't like there's a, a hole or an opening that has a desperate need to fill. But I, I'm with you. He's a big enough name that I think that they would create something for him. If that's the case and that's what he wants to do but listening to that entire 90 plus minute press conference yesterday sounded to me like sean payton's not done coaching he's done coaching for this year he wants to back off and maybe burn out call it what you want wants to see other things in life like doing a tv gig and like oh i i think there's a better than 50 50 chance sean payton will coach again in the national football league at a later date I don't think it'll be 2022, no matter how much pressure Jerry puts on he or the tanks or anybody else. Um, is he the number one guy looking over every coach in the national football league, not named Belichick shoulder next year?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, Mike McCarthy's seat is on fire. Forget about hot. I mean, this guy probably thought, all right, I survived this playoff collapse. They're going to keep me for another year. And now you're just sitting there, and you know the history, and you know what both sides have wanted in the past, and you say it's basically Super Bowl or bust for Mike McCarthy. I, I mean, I don't even think a significant run to the Super Bowl. Maybe you never know, but uh, it, but then you bring up the curveballs, the potential curveballs, because you know. If people are smart, and and there are smart people in, in this league, there's probably too many dumb <laughs> dumb people as well. But there are smart people in this league. Um, you know, uh, already know how much Jerry Jones has wanted Sean Payton in the past, and maybe you try to make things more difficult for Jerry Jones, just to make things more difficult for Jerry Jones. If you're smart, uh, and you start, you know, raising up the price, uh, doing that type of thing, playing. Um, chicken, so to speak. So a lot of things can happen. And, you know, it, it, South Florida, you know, a lot of these teams, you, you mentioned nine teams. Remember back when we thought there were going to be four or five, uh, open, and all of a sudden there's nine. It's almost a, a – we're creeping up on almost a third of the league. We're at 28% of the league looking for a new head coach. This head coaching uh, carousel, this cycle, has been so <laughs> underwhelming from a candidate standpoint. And if you're one of these nine teams, and I'll take New Orleans out of it, so eight teams, and you see Sean Payton and you go, man, we probably did this a year too early. We we, we, we probably, you know, we, we could have... Think about a bridge quarterback, bridge coach. All right, we're not in love with this guy, but we'll go... Another year, we'll limp along, we'll limp along, and then we'll try to convince Sean Payton. You can't do that, though. Everything about life is timing and circumstance. Now everybody knows he's out there, and it's going to be a Gruden Cower situation where every job pops up, Jody, and those are going to, those are going to, wow, they love Sean Payton. Payton. How many times you hear it about Gruden over the years? How many times before he finally came back out of the booth? cower to uh, probably a lesser extent but you heard it a bunch um you're gonna hear the same things with sean payton every almost every single job except the jobs you know have no chance of getting somebody like that understood um a couple things about the the bridge
1: coach yeah, we had one this year. His name was David Culley, and they screwed him. He came in, got a year, and they moved well, away Well, he got a him. financial
2: apology, though, Jody. He got $22 He, million he got some good
1: heard. money going yeah. out the door. Yes, more power to him. Um, the whole let's make it more difficult for Jerry Jones thing, good luck with that. Yeah. Jerry's going to pay whatever he wants to pay. He's got the most profitable franchise on the face of the planet. No, oh, by the way, you can do that with players because you're living in a capped world. And the pay they paid that much more for player X. Well, that's much less they can play for player Z because they're in a cap. Doesn't cost anybody anything except for yeah, the owner of the well, team to you pay know, the But
2: then you start talking about other things. You start talking about quality of life and, you know, a lot of South Florida. We're looking at Miami, with Coach, but they, they, they jumped too early. You start talking about, hey. So they you,
1: you, see- you think a team bidding on him would be doing so because they really believe they're going to get him or just to run the price up on Jerry because that's what you said.
2: Well, I think both. You might think you really have a chance because of where you're situated and well, if, if, worse, if you it, are
1: one then you're not the other if you really think you can get them you're not running the price up on jerry you're running the price up on yourself if you well uh, you let
2: me him. all right let me spin this up. if you say there's a 20 percent chance and it's unlikely but there's a chance because of your circumstance you could bid you can run up the price and see what happens and then you accomplish both goals um yeah you probably don't get them but at least you run up the price and you are in a situation where you can make those quality of life arguments and say look at how nice it is down here Sean. oh and by the way you're you know there's no state taxes I've, obviously Jerry has that as well so that's not his advantage but it's the same thing from that perspective whereas California you know they have to deal with that um there's a lot of different ways but yeah I think everybody in this league knows the ultimate end game here and that's Sean Payton as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I think right. everybody knows it. I,
1: right. I I just disagree with your stance on run the price up on Jerry. The only thing you're doing if you do that is you're running your price up on yourself, because well, you're not paying it. Yeah, but guess what? The next time you need a coach, the price of poker has gone up. The coaching salaries escalate. How many? Highest... How many coaches?
2: How many coaches have that cachet? If you go. If you go from Sean, let's—I don't—I don't want to criticize. I'll
1: give you one. You just—you just—you just mentioned his name, David Culley. Who was David Culley before they hired him? You're a, running a up the price on time David assistant. Culley for
2: Sean Payton. No, that, that's his, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But they—how like,
1: ha- much did they have to pay David Culley to not coach going forward?
2: 22 million total.
1: 22 million dollars. Do you not believe the escalating salaries of head coaches in the NFL caused the Houston Texans to give David Cully that money?
2: No, well, the Houston Texans uh, obviously are are a poorly run organization. I mean, yes, that's the going rate for a head coach, and then you got to accelerate because she signed him to a four or five year deal, whatever it is. Um, so everything accelerates. I mean, that's Houston's problem. For not uh, negotiating if they knew and they probably didn't know they were going to be one and done, but they probably thought two and done would be my estimation uh, is is my guess at the beginning. But my point with the Sean Payton stuff is, look, if you just want to stick it to Jerry Jones, because there's people in this league that want to stick it to Jerry Jones. That's all I'm saying. Um You know, you could go from, and I don't want to criticize my guy, but, you you know, you could go from, hey, we want Sean Patton, Sean Payton, and then we hire Jonathan Gannon. And you're going to be at the low end of the totem pole as far as coaching salaries go. Yeah, coaching in the league, but Sean Payton's not going to – I mean, if Sean Payton comes back, he's going to be the highest-paid coach in the NFL. He's going to be the highest-paid coach in the NFL. It's not going to affect – other people like look at this coaching circle. Who who do you like in this coaching carousel, Jody? The Flores. first time, the the potential first time coaches.
1: Oh, first time? Um who do you like? Probably who's, Dable who's more favorite? than anybody else. Who? Ryan Dable. Brian Defensive Dable. So
2: uh, Brian Dable's your favorite flavor. He's not going, he's not, he doesn't have cachet. He's a first-time head coach. I, I mean, that's that is what it is. I mean, right,
1: but let me let me ask you this. Will Brian Dable make more than Nick Sirianni?
2: Um, probably, probably, because he's more in demand, more than first time. I mean, remember, Nick had one uh interview. That's it. I mean, Brian's been on the the circuit, so to speak, right, then, for a couple then, of years then.
1: then pick, then pick one of the. Uh, who did you Jonathan talk Jonathan Gannon, Salah, and Staley and the like. They were quote unquote the hot names. Do you think Dable gets more than them?
2: Uh depends who it is. I think I think the the hot first time coaches. I
1: think the answer is yes because the salaries always go up. They never go backwards. If you are of the same same type of coach, you're going to get paid more money the years down the road, because if somebody's going to come in and make the Dallas Cowboys pay Sean Payton $15 million a year, the, the high tide raises all boats and coaches salaries go up across the board.
2: No, I agree with you that coaches salaries always go up, but I think there's different categories. In other words, um, The hot candidates, every year there's a group of hot candidates. Yes, Brian Dable would be in that group. So he would go incrementally up on uh, Arthur Smith or or Robert Sella. We agree on that. Now, if there's a Nick Sirianni who comes out last minute, because there's nine nine, uh, jobs open now, we all know the names, even Jonathan Gannon had three interviews. So remember, I'm talking about a uh, uh, completely out of left field, off the radar, one interview, first interview head coach. that will get a little more money than Nick Sirianni, but probably not as much money as Robert Sala and Arthur Smith and the hot candidates. That, that's all I'm trying to say. There's different categories. And Sean Payton, after a year out of the game, coming back is top of the heap.
1: He's going to get a Gruden-like deal that the Raiders had to give Gruden a couple of years ago. Uh, we both see that the same way. All right, uh, we got our first time out in. We're a little long there on the coaching stuff, but it is what's being talked about in the National Football League. Um, we still got plenty uh, to do for you today. I asked Johnny Mac yesterday, what what team would you want to talk about uh, for the upcoming championship weekend? He said Bengals. So he got one of his uh, sports-illustrated compatriots who had on my CBS show. Over the weekend, James Rapine, who covers the Bengals for Sports Illustrated, will hop aboard uh, with us a little bit later. Uh, But we'll continue the conversation. Coaches, Eagles, quarterbacks. I want to get to Tom Brady, who yesterday did a podcast, and after hearing excerpts from it, Jay Mack, my opinion on if Tom Brady will walk away has risen. Sounded like a guy who's really Mm -hmm. thinking about uh, hanging him up and not making that... That when you 40... gotta,
2: when when gotta ask for permission, you probably know the answer.
1: Well, I'm not going to ask for permission to go to break. I'm just going to do so. He's John McMullen, I'm Jerry McDonald. You got Birds 365 right here.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink.
0: Holy sh And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for
5: free?
4: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears.
5: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
6: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven,
0: zero, One, two, because
6: Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
0: The birds 365 morning
1: here on the Jacobini YouTube channel. You got John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Do you like us? That's the question. Do you like us? If you like us, hit the like button. Show us a little love. Help improve our algorithm. All this YouTube stuff I don't understand. But uh, <laughs> please, just hit the uh, button and tell you tell us you like us uh, here on Bird365 and the Jacob Media YouTube channel and all its shows on its platform as well. Uh, I like what I heard out of Tom Brady yesterday, if you're looking at it from a purely Eagle perspective. And I did get a tweet last night from a buddy who's a listener on my CBS uh, sports radio weekend show. Um, San Francisco guy who excited because his 49ers are there uh, has always hated Tom Brady because he took the mantle of the goat from Joe Montana, a diehard Niner fan. Uh, and he just gets on my case all the time because I say the things that I say about Brady and he always just hit it. You love Tom Brady. No, let me look into the camera here. I hate Tom Brady. You're I despise Tom Man. Brady. Tom Brady stuck it up. The, you know what of the J E T S jets, jets, jets for 20 friggin' years. Okay. I hate Tom Brady. I respect the hell out of Tom Brady. I do call him the greatest quarterback of all time. You can do two things. You can absolutely dislike a guy, but give him his props and his respect. And I'll do so again here by saying, please, Mr. Brady, retire. Please. just, just You've, you've accomplished everything that any one human should be able to accomplish in the game of football. You're married to a supermodel who makes more money than you do. <laughs> I, I can't think of a person on the planet who's got much of a better life than you. Please walk away because in part it would be good for the Philadelphia Eagles because if Tom Brady's not playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you talk about taking a step backwards, John. Watch those Bucks go backwards like that. The team that just eliminated the Eagles from the postseason will be fighting to get somewhere near 500, let alone be a Super Bowl contender. And he does a weekly podcast with Jim Gray and even more so than what he had said immediately after the game. And on his social media accounts within the 24, 48 hour period of the end of uh, uh, the season for him, when they got beat by the Rams, he sounded like a guy who was absolutely leaning toward stepping away at this upcoming season, which when he put the number out there at 45 a couple of years ago, I said, well, we know where he's getting out. Now it's going to be after his age 45 season. This would be one year early. And it would, yes, make the Eagles' chances in the NFC that much better next year.
2: Well, technically, I think he turns forty-five in August, so yeah. I mean, he could be out at forty-five, so he could be playing semantic games. You think he's going to
1: wait till August to retire?
2: Well, no. I just meant you know he's retiring at forty-four, isn't he? He he was going to play until forty-five. Um. you know, his 45 season or, you know, people assumed uh, he might say, well, I said up to 44, but then he said, I'll play to 50. I think I can play to 50. So here's the thing about all these things. And I use Jason Kelsey locally, Um, obviously different, but, you know, football's a grind, especially as you get older. And Tom's a lot older than Jason and you go through these. um, And in the case of Tom Brady, you're usually playing, extra games every year, significant extra games. He's played essentially three more NFL seasons just in playoff games. So tack on three seasons of wear and tear. So you have that part of the grind. And then you want to talk about it with your family. And you mentioned Giselle and his kids and he always brings up and they probably have the ultimate decision. And right after the season's over, everybody wants to retire. I don't want to go through that grind again. And, you know, the wife's excited to have you home. The kids are excited to have you home. Then a month passed and they're like, oh, dad's still here. Dad's still. And meanwhile, dad's getting antsy because he wants to hang out with his friends and he wants to be in the locker room and the camaraderie. And that's where Jason Kelsey says that, you know, why are you going to come back the cafeteria uh, at the NovaCare complex? Just the camaraderie of being with a, a team that you love. So what I'm what I'm trying to say, and I have no idea what Tom Brady's going to do, but it's January 26th. Now, the problem that complicates this is obviously Tampa Bay is going to want an answer because they have to plan uh, for next season if they don't have you. So you have all these different people you have to make happy and try to make a decision quickly. And you really don't want to make a decision quickly. Uh, My guess is, from talking to Rob Motty and some other people down there, it's probably leaning towards his retirement. Uh, Giselle's been pushing him toward retirement for a couple years now. And, you know, 55-45, 60-40, whatever you want to place it on. But as you sit and you sit and you sit, you know, you're still one of the best quarterbacks in the game. You might win the MVP, yeah, the best passing offense in the NFL didn't look great in the final game because of Tristan Wirfs' injury. Well, guess what? Tristan Tristan Wirfs is coming back. Um, and you're gonna have that all pro right tackle, and all of a sudden things are gonna get shored up. A lot of balls in the air, what I'm trying to say. So, you know, you can until he says he's hitting around because he's thinking about it. He's thinking about, he's thinking about retiring, you know, how important is it to make sure that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in a good spot for Tom Brady? If it is important, it'll probably speed up his decision. If it's not as important, he'll take his time. And what, you know, from then, what is Tampa Bay going to do? Are they, they, they have to pay deference. They'll say, you know, take your time, do what you need to do, figure it out, but it's going to put them in a more difficult position. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Same things are going on. You know, what does Aaron Rodgers want to do? You know, he said he wants to make a decision quickly because of not only the Packers, now he's got a better relationship with them, it seems. But Devontae Adams he brought up yesterday because Devontae's got to make a decision. And guess what? If Aaron Rodgers isn't isn't going to be in Green Bay, Devontae Adams doesn't want to be in Green Bay. So it affects a lot of people. But most notably with Tom Brady, obviously his family's coming first. And if they hold steady and they don't get sick of dad being home, you know, maybe he's gonna walk away. And then everybody, by the way, think about this for for, for the Eagles, Jody. Think about no Tom Brady in Tampa, no Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay out of the conference, say he goes to Denver, no Sean Payton in New Orleans. All of a sudden. You make a couple good decisions. This this conference doesn't look nearly as tough as the other one.
1: That's what I've been
2: saying since Monday.
1: Even though the results came in, it was the... Um, down-the-road results of what happened in the playoff games over the weekend that I think could be more advantageous for the Eagles. And I didn't even see Sean Payton stepping away from the Saints as a possibility of that, but that's exactly what happened yesterday. Yeah, uh, the the NFC might be the place to be, in part because over there in the AFC, you got Mahomes, you got uh, Allen, you got Herbert, you got Burrow. Burrow. they, no got the, they got the young stud quarterbacks, not so much in the NFC. By comparison to just the NFC, Jalen Hurts didn't look all that bad. You comp him through a couple of those big guns in the AFC, and you go, "Yeah, hey, damn, we don't have a quarterback like that. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, but you got to get through your conference first before you worry about the Super Bowl. Um, one other Eagles note, and I'll uh, actually give you guys credit. I don't know if I should or should, but it just happened this way yesterday. I saw this on Eagle Maven, I was on your site on SI yesterday. It was the first place that I saw Brett Pop going under the knife, and it's going to be out nine months. They haven't uh, officially said what the surgery is for. I think you guys speculated it's ACL since it's not No, months it's, that.
2: I confirmed it's ACL. Oh, it is I, ACL, I, okay. I, typically, Brett himself came out on his Instagram page and said nine months. So immediately I said, well, that's got to be an ACL. And and that was where the speculation. Then I was able to confirm it with with an NFL source. So he did tear his ACL in Week 18 against Dallas. And you know it's difficult. That's a, that's a player who people don't think about, but I mean that guy can play everywhere now. Right? He, he's a tackle, right tackle, left tackle. They moved him inside the guard. And then after all the problems. When Jason Kelsey took that first snap against the Dallas Cowboys and left to keep his consecutive game streak, it was Brett Toth who came in to play center. So he can officially play every position on the offensive line. And that's big for a backup offensive lineman. So, you know, do the math. That game's early January. That's early September. So the entire offseason is wiped for a player who tears his ACL that late in the season. And he
1: was, uh, he was a nice
2: guy to have. Uh, how
1: many times have we said this over the course of the year? I said it again last night on uh, WIP. The Eagles' offensive line depth is so much better than any other position on the Eagles.
2: Oh, it's where, where do you
1: want to go? Defensive line, linebacker, secondary, wide receiver, tight end. Their depth stinks compared to their offensive line. They've been so good there. Two two areas you give credit, number one, those who are the talent evaluators and making the picks, and maybe even more so, the guy who's improving them once he gets his hands out of Jeff Stoutland, that these guys all seem to develop and get better and become reliable guys that you can plug and play when you have injuries, and damn if the Eagles haven't had injuries on the offensive line. Their offensive line depth is so good as compared to everywhere else on the team, it's laughable. And Toth was one of those guys that they pick up uh, from another organization, plug (laughs) in, and he becomes a viable option for them. Not every team in the National Football League does that the way the Eagles do.
2: Now, the Eagles, he's an interesting story, too, because he went to Army, uh, for people who don't know. He's a nuclear engineer, Jody. So, number one, (laughs) he's a really smart guy. But the Eagles were the team who signed him. He actually got a waiver from the Department of Defense he actually started his career in in the army, and you know, then under I hate to bring up this name, but uh, it's just part of the story. Under the Trump administration, they softened uh, the rules, the Department of Defense, where people who could professionally defer their service to to chase a professional career. He got a waiver, essentially a year late, so he had to set out a year. So it was the Eagles who signed him originally, um, and, and they thought he had a ton of potential. And they signed him late in the process. They signed him in early August because that's when he got the waiver. And he had gone on to his regular life in, in the Army, so he had lost weight. He wasn't training at the time to be an NFL offensive lineman, so he typically plays at about 300 pounds he was down to 240 250 um so when the eagles signed him it was the idea that we'll we'll hide him on the practice squad this was pre covid the year pre covid um, and and we'll let him build back up and we think we got a a potential future uh player um, and all of a sudden they wave him at the final cutdown the initial cutdown sorry it's one of my pet peeves the initial cut down. Um, and Arizona claimed him. Arizona claimed him on waivers, and they said, We'll give him a 53-man roster spot. And they did. And the Eagles were peeved off. They were like, Come on, man. And and they really wanted him in the organization. So he stayed in Arizona for basically a year. Then he got hurt and they waved him injured. And the Eagles were waiting and waiting and waiting. He got cleared and he got waived and they Picked him right back up on waivers, and he's been here ever since. ping pong to the practice squad a couple times, but he's such an interesting story because he's a nuclear engineer. Um, He was one of the first players to get that new sort of lightened waiver from the Department of Defense, and the Eagles think they have a good – Backup offensive linemen, which, you know, people say they yawn at that. They don't, we talk about it all the time on this show. People want receivers. They want Jamar Chase. They want 45 points. They want all that. But the minute you lose an offensive lineman, and Tampa Bay is the best example of this, yes. that is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They lose Tristan Wurst, who's a phenomenal young player, and they look like garbage. And how many offensive linemen did the Eagles go through? A right guard alone, Brandon Brooks, and keep that name in your head. We'll talk about that tomorrow, Jody. Um, uh, it started with Brandon Brooks. Then they had to put in Landon Dickerson. Then Isaac Sayamalo got hurt, and they moved Landon Dickerson to left guard, and it was Jack Driscoll, and then it was Nate Herbig, and then it was Sue Opetta in the playoff game. Five different right guards. Five different right guards. They lose one player. In Tampa Bay and the whole thing falls apart.
1: Pretty important player, but you're right. Yeah. And that was the difference between the Rams and the Eagles. I told you I tweeted during the game because Tampa was playing as badly as they were. And why couldn't they play like this against the Eagles? One of the reasons why the Eagles couldn't take advantage of worse being out of the lineup. Oh, the Rams did. Rams got the Brady Rams brought pressure in that one. Uh, Hope uh, wide open hole that Mr. Wells couldn't fa- He filled it okay against the Eagles. He didn't fill it near as well against the Rams the next week. Uh, so you're right on about the offensive line and, and a comparison uh, to the uh, Buccaneers. Um, the one thing I will uh, just put a, a little disclaimer on, and your choice of words, and maybe I just, uh, it rubbed me the wrong way when I heard it, Eagles were mad when Brett Toth was claimed. Well, I, I, off. They,
2: they were. They were ticked
1: off. They wanted him. They wanted him. Uh, shame on the Eagles. And shame on any other team. You know what the rules are. You can be disappointed, but you can't be mad because the rules are this. You put a guy up on waivers and another team claims them. Oh, well, that's the way the rules work. You can't get mad if the Eagles did it to somebody else. Oh, we're mad. <laughs> you laugh at them when they get mad at you. We picked them up. You put him on waivers. We picked them up. We think he's better than you right now. I don't think you can can use that phrase to describe the or the team shouldn't feel that way Uh if you lose. Well, Kyle yeah, Ray. maybe
2: maybe disappointed is a better word. They were they were. And I don't want to overstate it because he is a backup offensive lineman. and he is somebody late. To, but they thought that he would easily get through waivers, and they were. Greatly disappointed. disappointed. How's that? Yeah. Greatly disappointed that he didn't get through waivers. That that I can buy.
1: If a team gets mad when you lose a guy on waivers, it's big boy big boy football. You want to put a guy on waivers, you could potentially lose him. You got to know uh, those are the rules of the game. Um, and oh, by the way, when the Eagles took my lot in the seventh round, and they knew that he wasn't
2: going. Oh to, yeah, they weren't putting had, him on waivers.
1: Yeah, well, then they could have done the same, same thing with Brett Todd. that they didn't want to lose Brett Todd then you don't put them on waivers. They did. They lost them. They got them back. Good for them for getting them back. But you're the team that makes the decision as to whether the yeah, guy Yeah, they get the same can.
2: thing with uh, – that's the reason they carried uh, Tyree Jackson this year on the roster when they didn't have to because they were afraid somebody – and by the way, maybe some of that harkens back to Brett Todd, because they thought they could get certain players through waivers. Not my lot of mine. A lot is a different category. But somebody like, like Tyree Jackson – they probably maybe pre-TOTH they said we'll get him through waivers and 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 probably post Toth, they said, Yeah, let's not. Yeah, let's maybe. not. We, let's we, not don't want, we don't want
1: to take the, the chance. And hopefully Tyree Jackson, another guy we gotta wait for now to see if he's just like Brett Toth, we gotta to wait to see what he comes back after a uh, lengthy rehab period. All right, uh, one other thing I wanna to get to before we get to hour number two. Uh we had Jimmy Kemsky on the show yesterday. As always, Jimmy did a great job for us except he didn't give us a heads up on what his column was going to be today for Philly voice. And I, I liked it. I enjoyed reading it. Uh, guys that the Eagles could trade this off season, And if so, what they should be able to get for him in return, your guy, Andre Dillard, absolutely a trade commodity for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Jimmy's evaluation was he thought they could get a fourth round pick for Andre Dillard. Now, this is a couple this is a layered conversation because Dillard himself and a fourth round pick in return can be looked at through the prism of other guys on the Philadelphia Eagles and how they would handle it and how much their draft status where they were picked will dictate what the Eagles will take in return to move a guy. Andre Dillard, a first round pick that they traded up for to get. I think that's a little added wrinkle you got to put in. Wasn't high in the first round, but they actually did move up a couple of slots to get him. So it cost them the first plus what it cost them to get up to get him. Couple of years later, going in exchange for a fourth. Is that enough? Will Howie Roseman pull the trigger on that, Johnny Mack?
2: Yeah, I think he will. For this reason, um, we just talked about versatility. If you're going to be a backup offensive lineman in this league, you need to be versatile. And that is probably the biggest uh, um, problem with Andre Dillard. He's not going to start at left tackle here. The Eagles have the second best left tackle in football, you can argue, behind Trent Williams is the only one who was clearly better than Jordan Milata this season which is, as I constantly bring up, an amazing story. But that's where they are at left tackle. So he's not going to start on this team. Um, There's a lot of teams in this league that need left tackles. Now, most of them are, you could argue, we we talked about the the common sense of some organizations. It's, It's probably not where it should be. But there's a lot of smart organizations. So they see what's going on in Philadelphia and the fact that, while well, Andre's blocked here, number one. Um, he, can't, he can't start at left tackle. He's not valuable as a backup player because he can't play other positions. They also re-signed LaRaven Clark, which is, you know, it's not going to raise the antenna most other than personnel people in the league. And they say, well, that's a guy who's going to be their swing tackle. So the Eagles are already setting up trading Andre Dillard for what they can get and what they can get is a lot more than what they could have gotten before he was forced into action for those couple of games. When Lane Johnson was out and Jordan, my got shuffled to the right side. Jordan was also injured as well for a little bit and he held up pretty well. And that's enough for desperate left tackle teams in this league. Trust me, especially with somebody with that kind of pure talent. So I think Jimmy hit the nail on the head. Fourth round pick. Um, it doesn't have to go above that, even though the talent might say you could get a third round pick because he's not a fit for this team. And other people will recognize that. They'll say, "Well, what are you going to do with him? You can't. He can't. He's not a backup. He's blocked. Can't play left tackle for you." Teams are smart enough to realize that, but they'll give up a fourth round pick because there's value in the player. Right.
1: And the old axiom, if it only takes one, if the Eagles hold too tight too soon, uh, too long, they may not even get that fourth. It. So it's always a balancing game. We'll see if how we gets it right. You and I agree with Jim Kemski. It looks like about a fourth round pick. Gardner Minshew could be traded. I'd say doubtful, but not impossible. Um, Eagles got him for a six round pick was a nice acquisition by how he stepped in and played two games last year and didn't play badly in either one, won the jet game when it was necessary, didn't win the cowboy game at the end of the year, but he was playing with practice squad guys. So I don't hold that against him either. So it was a really good acquisition as a backup quarterback. They turned around and flipped Flacco, who they kind of overpaid at the beginning of the season. Uh, during the offseason to bring them in, and then they cut that by setting them up the turnpike to the Jets before the halfway point of the season. So even what was perceived as a mistake was erased, and they got more in exchange for Flacco than they did for what they gave up for Minshew, or basically the same thing. Um, If a team offered the Eagles a fourth-round pick for Minshew, I think if you say, oh, you get a third, then no, you can't. Gardner Minshew's not a starter, so to get a – Third-round pick for a purely backup quarterback, yet not happening. If you do so for a fifth, it would be an improvement off the uh, compensation you had to give up to get him. But then you got to go get yourself a backup quarterback. And I don't know how many there are that are better than Gardner Minshew. And if you do, what is the price you're going to pay for that? That's the reason why I really don't think Gardner Minshew is going to get traded. But a fourth-round pick for Gardner Minshew, is that a possibility, J.M.?
2: Yeah, I don't think it is for the exact reason you're saying, Jody, in the fact that it, it, if somebody is that desperate and gives you a third-round pick, then I'd consider it. But I don't think that deal would be there. But as you mentioned, remember, we we know how this team values uh, backup quarterbacks, number one. If you trade Gardner Minshew and say, yeah, it's great, you trade a sixth-round pick, you get a fourth-round pick, how he looks great. Well, then you need to find a backup quarterback again. So, to me, the only way it happens if you, is is if you get overpaid to a significant degree, and I don't think fourth is significant enough. I think third is. If somebody is that desperate to give you a third, then I think the Eagles would seriously consider it. Um, the only thing that could change that thought process for me is if, you know, Gardner's honest. You know, he went into Nick Sirianni's office, said, what can I do to be the starting quarterback of this team? Sometimes you don't want that headache. Sometimes you don't want that competitive guy behind it. Um, uh, Jalen Hurts, especially a guy who's not – like, if you go in and say he was in Jacksonville, hey, I want to compete with Trevor Lawrence, and you just take the number one overall pick. Or even worse, if you go into Kansas City, say, I want to go compete with Patrick Mahomes. They'll tap you on the head and say, Okay, great kid, go sit in the corner. Here it's not as entrenched. You probably want everybody working in the same category. So, but I don't think Gardner's that type of guy. I just think he's like, Hey, and, and in a lot of ways, he's uh, lovably uh, a little bit, uh, I don't want to say clueless, but he's Oof. like, oh, let, let me, it no, more like, Let me do what I can to win the starting job. And he doesn't realize, like, Man, there's no way you can win the starting job. So I don't think it's a, uh, I don't think it's 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 a foundation of controversy. I don't think he's doing it to create waves. I just think because he's a uh, happy go lucky, let me go compete type. And I don't think the Eagles will have a problem with that.
1: yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, the one guy who I would suggest if they were to uh, go along those lines, somebody offers them a third, they pull the trigger. Foles a free agent this offseason? Yeah,
2: please, please, stop. Uh, not, please. not gonna go there again, Johnny no, mac Come on. I are are people still doing that? Oh come yeah. On. Oh, they call me on
1: WIP. They come call me on all
2: the time. Just give it up. No, they don't want Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the last human being they want here because they know you people exist. And they don't want people after Jalen Hurts has one bad say We have Dick Bowles. Dick Bowles won Super Bowl 52. They don't want any of that near it's, it's, Jalen Hurts. It's,
1: it's, just wanted to float it out there. All right, and one more before we get the time out here at the bottom of the hour. And real um, quick,
2: I got to throw this in. Uh, Brandon Brooks, a official, I let you know this before the show, will be speaking with reporters at 11 a.m. this morning.
1: Okay, so we know what you're doing after the show, zooming your life away again. Um, if they're going to call a press conference at this time, and I'm happy for Ed Kratz, who had been predicting his return for about a month and a half now, um, <laughs> Still, he's returning. You're like a up...
2: dog. You're like a dog with a bone. With oh
1: yeah. Ed, man. Uh, sorry, Ed. <laughs> um, if they're calling a press conference at this stage of the off season. You're free to speculate. I know what my speculation is. My speculation is that Brandon Brooks is not going to see the field again. That uh, this is probably uh, it, calling it a career today and making it official in a press conference, which is too bad because he was a very good player and a major contributor to a championship team here in Philadelphia. Um, But it's just untenable, the fact that he's always hurt. Uh, You can't make big plans. The Eagles... We don't know how lucky, back to what we started this segment with, how lucky the Eagles are with their offensive line depth, with guys like Toth and opetta and the like. Other teams get wrecked when they lose guy like Brandon Brooks. The Eagles don't. Uh, so they're very in a very good position to absorb something like that. I think it becomes official he's walking away.
2: Yeah, I mean, as soon as I was alerted that there was a good chance uh, Brandon was going to talk to us today, that was my first thought. Um, there have been whispers surrounding that being the potential. This is a guy who's gone through, I think I talked about it on the show last week, when you talk about the past few seasons. It was torn Achilles, dislocated shoulder, torn Achilles, uh, strained or tore pack um just bang 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 the guy was always rehabbing always rehabbing always trying to come back and you know some, some pretty significant when you're 300 when you play at 340 pounds uh Achilles are pretty pretty significant and the second one I don't know if you saw the photos of when Brandon was coming back and he dropped a lot of weight he, he dropped to the you know, probably 275, 280. And he, he, you know, was training mixed martial arts and things like that and got really, really cut. Looked like you could step on Monday.
7: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country Community safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at slash careers.
2: They night Raw and the star. Um, He got so down just to help the rehab um, and take some of the weight off the Achilles. And then you got to go back up because if Brandon Brooks is in 340 pound road grader you know blowing people off the offensive line uh, off the defensive line he's not brandon brooks nice. so you know it's when i talked about the grind and tom brady uh, that's what i'm talking about and brandon brooks i think we'll see maybe he can throw us all the curveball the grind is uh difficult
1: And you're right. Some people uh, are just fans and they don't know the intricacies of it. You say, oh, Brendan Brooks was down to 285. Well, 285 is a lot of weight for a lot of people. But when you're used to playing at 235, that's 50 pounds. Anybody loses 50 pounds, that's a significant weight loss, even though it probably looked great on him, uh, as you stated. Yeah, that wasn't his playing weight in the National Football League. So he knew he had to put the weight back on, which is just another part of the grind, adding weight, subtracting weight, putting it back on, taking it back off. It's probably taking it stolen, Brandon Brooks, and it may, to the extent of him walking away from the National Football League today. We'll have to see. But that is something we will certainly be talking about on tomorrow's Birds 365. But we got to get through today's Birds 365. Still got an hour left to play. Come on back with Mac and Mac.
5: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock, more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. We'll
6: Field of life. First trust bank there for you.
1: Three, one, two,
6: three, because Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
1: We are the Mac a Mac guys. McDonald's. Here we've got Bird 365. Uh, we've got a Cincinnati Bengals guest coming up, um, James Rapine, who covers the Bengals for Sports Illustrated, is going to hop on board with us. Wanted to take a little preview look at uh, one of the two championship games coming up on Sunday. The Bengals, I would say, are the longest shot of the teams that are left. Uh, 49ers also surprised to be there and that they've won two straight road games. The Bengals won home game, one road game. But uh, Kansas City is is probably the favorite at this point. So, can Joe Cool, Mister Burrow, find one yeah. more way to win? You remember to Week
2: Seventeen, been- and and I think that game was in Cincinnati. But uh, I, they came back from maybe two touchdowns, I think, to beat Kansas City, and that's when they clinched the uh, AFC North. And that was one of the games where. As you mentioned, Joe Cool passed for well over four hundred yards. Um so who knows, man. Hunters chance. One thing I know, Kansas City can give up some points. They can give up some points, especially against explosive teams. But that's the way I think there's only one way for Cincinnati to win that game, and they gotta they gotta win a shootout. But they're capable of winning a shootout.
1: They are, but uh I don't know how much better you could play than what Josh Allen did this week that's in true out and they lost
2: that's true so,
1: uh it it, it may that first number may be a 5 uh that you may need to put up to be I, able to I win I was game. just
2: looking it up cuz Gabriel Davis obviously had a amazing game um against uh against the Chiefs in a losing effort Jamar Chase in that game Jody 11 receptions 260 Six yards and three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, which Andy Reed yesterday said, Oh, he's the real deal. Yeah, wonder why, Andy, because he got two sixty-six <laughs> against you. There's some deep analysis from Andy Reed after two, a guy gets two hundred and sixty-six six. well, yards I, against I'll you. You this. go, he's the real deal.
2: You and I always bring up Lou Holtz when teams talk up uh lesser opponents. You don't have to Lou Holtz it too much when you just watch the guy torch you for 266.
1: <laughs> exactly right. So, uh, yeah, the Bengals have a puncher chance in this AFC championship game. So James Rapine, who is the everyday beat guy for Sports Illustrated for the Bengals, is going to join us coming up uh, in about less than uh, 15 minutes from now. Um, I didn't want to uh, give a couple of nods here for uh, yesterday. The official numbers came out. On the NFL ratings, I had projected numbers for the markets of the cities that the games were played in, and they were just stone-cold off the charts. But the national numbers came out. Average of 37.1 million. Taking all four games together, which is daytime, primetime, Saturday, which isn't a great watch day in the NFL, but you had the snow game on Saturday night, which raised that number through the roof. 37.1 million average. Up 20% from last year. And last year, we were in a COVID uh, situation, which to me meant more people in the house with the ability to watch TV, uh, maybe a little distracted because the world was in the condition that it was in, but up 20% is off the charts. And the high mark of the uh, Bills and Chiefs, 42.7. Top, the number from the Cowboys... Going back to wildcard weekend, because I told you last week that 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 game so outpaced every other game. Why? Because of the Dallas Cowboys. The Bills and Chiefs actually surpassed that as it should, because it's one of the most exciting games in the history of the National Football League. They actually did even outdo the Dallas Cowboys in their brand.
2: Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. And that's the game I, I did pay only because of the ending and, you know, things, that's what tends to happen. You know, it's sort of like the old commercial, you tell two friends, you tell, and, you know, um, people start watching the game. It gets exciting and the, and it builds and the, and the crescendo, uh, tends to be the highest rating of all. Um, and, and that game, it would have been the fourth quarter in overtime. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the great games of all time. But, and, and, you know, the Pittsburgh-Seattle Super Bowl is the one that taught me this. I was like, when that Super Bowl came about, uh, I was like, wow, you know, they might have some trouble with these two markets. They didn't. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter with the NFL. If it's Cincinnati in the Super Bowl against San Francisco, um, it won't matter. It'll be it'll hurt a little bit. It'll hurt a little bit if it's not Kansas City, if it's not Patrick Mose. But everybody's watching. Everybody's watching.
1: Uh, I could probably get an answer on this because I well, he's busy right now, so I couldn't get an immediate answer. But I'd be able to get an answer from him. He'd probably get back to me, and uh, we could I could share it with you tomorrow. Do you think Boomer Esiason is rooting for a Bengals? 49ers Super Bowl matchup.
2: That's that's interesting. He should be. Yeah,
1: They they matched up during Boomer's career. The Bengals actually made it to the Super Bowl, which would be a nice walk down memory lane. However, that walk must include the fact that they lost that game and Montana rallied them and won that game and he got the better of Boomer. And everybody and his brother would want to talk to Boomer for the two weeks leading up to the game. That's for damn sure. as big a, a guy as he is, and the name that he is, and the uh, place in the media, that he, the place in the media that he has. But do you think he really wants to go there? Uh, do
2: you think I do I mean I I think I I don't know you should ask him I think he would I mean it I think it now there's so much time he realizes I I would imagine what a great accomplishment it is uh, especially you know I talked about this a couple weeks ago we got into a rabbit hole about Marvin Lewis and the, you know that's a difficult place to win and that's the last time um, they they were Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl, was Boomer. So I, I would think he knows what an accomplishment that is. Uh, and that should, um, that should resonate with him by this point. I think he would enjoy it. All right. Remind
1: me uh, next week if Cincinnati wins on Sunday. I've actually had Marvin Lewis on shows that I've done. I think I got Marvin Lewis's contact number, as a matter of fact.
2: Oh, we got to get Marvin on. Yeah. He's busy this
1: weekend. He is once again coaching the NFLPA All-Star Game out in Los Angeles at the Rose Bowl, which is taking place this Saturday, um, 6 o'clock. No fans. It's just for the players and the television audience. It will air on the NFL Network. Uh, Jeff Fisher is on one side. Marvin Lewis is on the other sideline coaching the team. Um, and our buddy Rick Saratella works uh, in conjunction with them, recruits for the guys he's out there all week. I talked to Ricky last night. Um, so he's working with Marvin Lewis and he set me up to have Marvin on as a guest on one of my radio shows uh, a couple of years ago. So coach and I got along and I do think I have his number. If uh, the Bengals win, I'm going to try and get Marvin Lewis here on Verge 365 next week. Cause it is worth talking to him about the Bengals. If they're going to the Super Bowl. Maybe a little tough. It's kind of like the boomer sizing question. Coach, you want to come on and talk about the fact that you
2: couldn't win a playoff
1: game? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah, yeah it was just because I thought, yeah. Cincinnati obviously has been to the Super Bowl twice, for those who don't know. in both times it was against the 49ers. But this I did not know. Um, the Bengals and the New York Giants are the NFL's only teams in the Super Bowl era. To never lose a championship game.
1: Oh, if they've been to the championship game, they won it both times.
2: Yeah, and 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 and, and played San Francisco in both Super Bowls. So that's some. Uh, that could be fate. Okay. Third time's a charm.
1: Yeah, but both times they won the championship game, but lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, well, uh, I meant
2: just predicting the Super Bowl because everybody's going to predict Kansas City. Few people are going to pick uh uh the 49ers to upset the Rams I would think because they've had such success but you know 49ers Bengals third right. time it would be
1: before we punch up James Rapine to talk some Bengals with us uh one one more Eagles thing by you um and again I talked to Rick I had my show had him on my show on WIP last night. We talked about the wide receiver position the Eagles aren't gonna use a first round draft pick. Some people are mocking a first-round wide receiver draft pick to them. I don't see it, especially if they trade one of the two picks, uh, one of the three picks for a future first-round pick. If they only make two, one of them is not going to be a wide receiver. They just have too many needs on defense. Um, but And assuming that's the case, they're not taking a first-rounder. They may take a second-rounder. But they're going to need an upgraded wide receiver more than just a second-round pick. So we believe they're going to be in the free agent market Whole bunch of names have been thrown out there. Um veteran guy as the guy that you like to see him get. How much of uh experience in the league would be a factor in your mind if you're advising the Eagles on who they should be looking at? Yeah, anymore? I've been
2: pretty consistent. I want an experience, experience, experience. So and not I, I and that doesn't mean I want a 10-year veteran who's played forever, but I want somebody who's already proven they are accomplished in this league. And um, I know Jimmy Kemski brought up DJ Chark. There's a younger receiver. That would be the type of receiver. I would think the Eagles want to target uh, because, you know, maybe there's some upside there. He's been in a bad situation. He's put up some numbers with some bad quarterbacks and, all that kind of stuff. And you start thinking about, well, maybe he can ascend as a player, but well, you already have the knowledge that he can play in this league, at least to a certain level. The problem with the Eagles, let's be honest. We, we lawed them for the offensive line. We just did again. It's been the exact opposite of wide receiver. Uh, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to develop wide receivers. The only one who's come in here and played was pretty polished uh, when he arrived. And that's Devontae Smith. Um, and, and both you and I think he's going to be a really good player. The players that aren't as polished, they haven't had a lot of luck with. Not at all. Um, and I I, I I would not want to go down that route again. Um, now, if you start talking about day three picks, like they hit on Quez Watkins, at least to the point where you say, okay, that guy's an NFL player. That's a six-round pick. Yeah, I have no issue there. But I'm I'm not going near a wide receiver again in the in the first round. And look, people can say that's kind of hypocritical for the way I always talk, because the last thing you want to do is <clears throat> cut out a certain position because you bailed in the past. You want to take the best player. But I think if you also look at the draft, you know, where they're going to be 15, 16, 19 they have obvious needs edge defender cornerback i'm with you i don't think they're taking all three of those picks they might trade up they might trade down they might trade out to next year which is more difficult than people realize but nonetheless they're going to do something and i think they're going to be focused on edge defender first and foremost and then potentially uh secondary
1: All right, I uh, have a specific name I want to run by you. Uh, But we do have uh, our buddy on the line. We're going to take a quickie timeout, come back. James Rapine, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for Sports Illustrated, going to join us next here on Birds 365.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink.
0: and you're telling me i can get one of these glasses for free
4: that's right one free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka so good it just disappears
5: you know you like being right that's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan it's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price including free doctor visits 24 7. It's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right you're right and when you've got Independence Blue Cross you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
6: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: Seven, three. One, two, three. Because
6: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
1: Magamac guys, you're on Bird 65. John Birch, three sixty five, John McCallum, and Johnny McDonald with you. Big game coming up this weekend is the Chiefs and the Bengals AFC championship game, and the Bengals a little surprised to be there. I don't know how many people actually had that being the case when the season started, except maybe our next guest, it's James Rapine from Sports Illustrated, who comes to the Bengals day in and day out. You had the Bengals in the championship game before the year
2: started, right, James? Uh, we, you getting, James?
1: I think he might have his uh, mic on mute. Hopefully he's hearing us. Uh, James, we're not getting your volume. We're seeing your handsome, smiling face, but we're not getting your volume. There we go. Volume. Let's try it there again. We there it there is. There we James, is. You had to win the championship game before the year started, right?
7: I, I'm I'm afraid you're giving me too much credit, my friend. <laughs> I, uh, I did not. I don't think really anybody did besides maybe Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Zach Taylor. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, a wild, wild,
2: surprising run. Well, James, let's talk about uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase specifically. Are people expecting fireworks? Because we saw Kansas City, obviously, in Buffalo, just one of the most explosive, exciting games in NFL history. And then you go back week 17, uh, and when the Bengals clinched, by the way, I think that was the game they clinched the AFC North, um, they came back against those same Chiefs. That was a 400 yard Joe Burrow game. I think Jamar Chase went off for 266. We mentioned how explosive is this Bengals team? And how can they be this explosive with that offensive line that we all saw in Tennessee? Well, there's a chance, and, and this is really
7: their chance, to the path to victory on Sunday, is they have to be the more explosive team. You know, I, I think they have to outgun the chiefs and, you know, defense matters and all of that. But uh, one reason I thought that this matchup against the chiefs might be a little bit better than the bills was because I think they're more likely to go off offensively against this chiefs defense. We saw uh, what they did or or couldn't do last week against Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, and, and Josh Allen and company. This Bengals offense is loaded. I mean, yeah, it's Joe Burrow, Jamar chase, but then you have T Higgins on the other side. So if you try to take away Jamar chase, Higgins could certainly beat you. Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot wide receivers in the league. Oh, and by the way, they have Joe Mixon in the backfield. So they certainly have the skill and talent. They have a tight end
2: too. Yeah, yeah. CJ Uzama, who has 13
7: yeah. receptions in the postseason, um, had five touchdowns this year. So certainly uh, a big part of the offense as well. But you're right. You know, the offensive line, that's been my, my key, my focus really throughout the postseason, really all year long. Can they keep Joe Burrow upright? Because – Over the past six to seven weeks, Burrow's playing like the best quarterback in the NFL statistically, and it it passes the eye test as well. And if they can keep him upright and not let him get sacked nine times, which I don't think they will. I think some of that was you know, just great play by the Titans and a great scheme by Mike Vrabel. But even dating back to that Week 17 matchup against the Chiefs, he got sacked four times. He was hit a a decent amount at the end of that game. So they're going to need to find a way to keep him upright. And if they do that, I do think that this offense is capable of putting up a lot of points and, and staying in it and, and hanging in there against Patrick Mahomes and company.
1: James, though you were good enough to come on my CBS show over the weekend. I answered that question here. I'm going to do so again as well. Um, John and I had Mike uh, Tannenbaum on our show mm-hmm. way back in August. And we were talking about the upcoming season. When we asked him about Burrow. He said, I still love the kid, but when you have a severe or lower body injury as he has, you really have to monitor it because it sometimes takes over a year for a guy to be able to come back from that. Not the case with Burrow. He's been clicking on all cylinders pretty close to all year, but mm-hmm. certainly surging late. Was there a juncture in the season this year when you and or Joe Burrow or uh, Doc Taylor said, all right, no worries whatsoever. He's If there was a hump that needed to be gotten over, he's already gotten over it and it's only gravy from here. When was that moment, if there was a moment like that this year?
7: I think there was multiple, because if you think back to to camp, you know, late July, early August, there was, there were some questions uh, locally here about how he was planting, not planting the way he was throwing. And yeah, he was fully cleared for training camp, but for about a week, the Bengals defense and it turns out Bengals defense is just much better than anybody anticipated, But they were getting the better of this offense, and part of that was because Joe Burrow did not look like himself. And so he got past that. And then early in the season, he was taking sacks that he normally wouldn't take, and I don't think he was fully trusting of that. At least his instincts weren't all the way back yet because of how severe that injury was. But I would say early December, you know, late November, early December, it reached a level and he was always playing well this year. It's not like he ever played poorly. There were the turnovers were high, but he reached another level. You know, the San Francisco games uh, specifically where they get dominated. You're know, down 20 to 6 in the fourth quarter and Burrow just flips a switch and says, "No, I'm not going to let us lose." And ultimately they did in overtime, but no fault of Burrow's. He led them on three straight scoring drives, two touchdown drives, a, a field goal driving overtime and it's like man he he looks different and so really from then on he's been playing at at an elite level his pocket presence has been LSU style Joe Burrow and that's what they need they need him to be superhuman and that that's how they were able to to beat the Chiefs in week 17 and win the division and you know it's not always going to be you know 446 and four touchdowns like it was in week 17 certainly it wasn't like that <laughs> Last week against the Titans, but they're going to need that this week again against the Chiefs. He's going to need to be, uh, you know, that off script playmaker that just is able to extend plays and push the ball down the field that we've seen in recent weeks.
2: Well, James, let's talk about that defense, because I do think they get lost in the shuffle when you talk about Burrow and Chase Mm -hmm. and Higgins and Mixon and everybody else. And understandably so, but. They made a lot of good decisions in pre-agency, which eh, is maybe not the typical way to build a team in the NFL. But when you look at uh, Trey Hendrickson as an edge rusher, I think DJ Reader was unbelievable in that Tennessee game. Von um, Bell, I know Sean Payton talked about him yesterday. Mike Hilton, which you hurt a team in your division. Um and 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 by the way, Lou and you know Anna Anna Rumo got a interview with I believe the New York Giants and people were saying mm-hmm. who uh what 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 is it about that defense that has uh turned around for the Bengals this season? It's the biggest surprise of the year, not
7: Burrow being great or Jamar Chase or you know this offense or right? any it's that this defense? Has won them games, and really from week one on, they've been uh, you know made game-changing plays when it mattered. They forced a turnover against the Vikings to get a last-second field goal to sneak out of week one with a win, and last week obviously against the Titans. And there's so many times in between uh, those two games where they've done that over the course of this season. And I think it starts with the front office. Actually, they nailed free agency, and Lou Anarumo certainly has a, a hand in that. Zach Taylor, of course on who they went after. But over the past two years, they've signed DJ Reader, home run at nose tackle. Von Bell has been great for them at safety alongside Jesse Bates. They signed Chidobe Owusier this offseason. He's clearly their number one corner and has been a difference maker. Mike Hilton, Eli Apple, Trey Hendrickson at defensive end, and he might be at the top of the list outside of maybe Reader as far as impact goes because he's been great. Had 14 sacks this year. They only had 17 sacks as an entire team. Last season. So it started by being aggressive, spending money and aggressively addressing their weaknesses. But even then, like I said, I didn't anticipate them being this good this season. And all of the pieces fit together like a perfect puzzle. And th- that's the part of it where Lou Anarumo deserves a ton of credit because he w- his seat was hotter than Zach Taylor's a year ago. And there was a lot of talk about him uh, being out as defensive coordinator and the Bengals opted to stick with him and they got the pieces that he wanted. And he's shown that with these pieces, he can put together a defense that doesn't only win one way. They're multiple and they, you know, switch from zone to man. They'll blitz some weeks. They won't blitz other weeks. They, they've really kind of morphed and evolved depending on the opponent, the opponent from week to week. And uh, he's done a hell of a job. So I was not surprised at all to see the giants, I uh, want to interview him. I don't necessarily think he'll get a head coaching job, but what a 180 from a year ago where it felt like he was going to be out to now. If he is in Cincinnati, you already know it. This coaching staff, all both coordinators and uh, the head coach, Zach Taylor, they're all going to get extensions, uh, assuming that the, the coordinators don't get head coaching jobs.
6: Let
1: me follow up on that point about Zach Taylor, because mm-hmm. we have seen in the NFL specifically this past season, um not only coaches being fired after two years but with david cully one year one and done that's a pretty quick hook if you ask me but it has happened in the nfl and zach taylor's coming off 4 11 and one sounds very familiar here in philadelphia as a matter of fact uh season this past year how hot was his seat was there actual pretty strong conversation that Um, You know, maybe he wasn't the guy to hire and maybe we need somebody else to bring in to pilot Joe Burrow going forward. Or was Burrow's injury actually advantageous because they said, well, Burrow went down. We had no shot after that. Soon as he had the injury, we really expected coach to win with uh, the backup quarterback. We had wasn't happening. Um, How how close was there uh, to a possibility of Zach Taylor not being a coach this year?
7: I think uh you know, I, I think there were discussions for sure, and part of it was the burrow injury, right? If you lose your quarterback, um, it, tough to make a, a second half run. And the Bengals felt like they were going to last year, not necessarily playoffs, but you know, you get to that seven and nine range and you feel good about the future. Um, and, and instead, they didn't have burrow, but but I think it was a combination of things. One, you're right, they lost burrow, two they won two out of their last three at the end of last season. They beat the Steelers on Monday night football with Ryan Finley at quarterback. Last I checked, Finley wasn't in the league still. He might be on a practice squad somewhere, <laughs> but uh, not in the league. Brandon Allen and company went down to Houston and, and won. So they had built some momentum going into this year. And, and so I think that along with Burrow Burrow's injury and the fact that Joe Burrow believes in Zach Taylor, all of those things uh, go into it, but – I, at the same time, if they didn't win this year, I think the seat was, you know, scorching hot coming into it because mm-hmm. the Bengals had invested a ton of resources into this team. You, you looked at it in, in Zach Taylor's, this offensive mind. Well, he's got a, a number one pick at quarterback, uh, the fifth overall pick at wide receiver, a 33rd overall pick in C Higgins, who was, had a great rookie year, uh, a second rounder that they extended in Tyler Boyd, a second rounder and first round talent that they extended in Joe Mixon. He had all the you know, the weapons to put up a, a good offense. And so he needed to show that, especially with all the money they invested on defense, they needed to win games. And to his credit, they did that. They got off to a good start, five and two. And anytime there were rocky waters this year, uh, they stabilized it. And uh, and now they're playing their best ball. So Zach's done a good job. His seat is certainly cool now, but there, there was certainly a path where if it went the other way, that uh, this could have been his final season in Cincinnati. And instead, like I, I said, now it's more talks of contract extensions
2: than uh, you know hot seat talk. It's funny how things change that quickly, James. You yep. you know the San Francisco 49ers probably more than anyone last weekend proved there's a lot of ways to win games in this league, and one of them is special teams. And, yep. hey, that won, uh, that won the game for the Cincinnati Bengals in the end because it was a rookie kicker, fifth-round pick, Banging it from fifty-two in the most high leverage of situations. How good has Evan McPherson been <laughs> for the Bengals in his rookie season? He's the best fifth-round
7: pick off the top of my head that I can remember in quite some time. And you know that was a debated topic. By the way, the Eagles
2: uh, thank the Bengals for an old fifth round. Jake pick, Elliott. That's Jake Elliott.
7: Yeah. Yeah, and and honestly, I think because I covered that and I ripped Marvin Lewis when they released Elliott after picking him, you know, in yeah. camp because he struggled a bit in camp. Um, but, no, this kid is better than, than Jake Elliott. I mean, he's been insane this year. He has 11 field goals of 50-plus yards or more uh, combining the playoffs. He, he has eight field goals in the two postseason games, which goes twofold, right? You want to convert when you get into the red zone, and the Bengals haven't done that, but they have a guy who, who can certainly get them points and put points on the board. And um, he has 27. I'm doing some quick math in my head, 27 of their 45 playoff points. So he's had a, a huge, huge impact. And for just being 22 years old, it doesn't seem like the pressure gets to him. And it's uh, kind of like Joe Burrow, kind of like Jamar Chase. Evan McPherson is cut from that same cloth where they they embrace those big moments. It doesn't feel like their heart rate gets you know too high or anything like that. And they, they come through. And he's had four game-winning kicks. Uh, that I can remember off the top of my head this year and had a chance for a fifth. He hasn't been perfect, did miss against Green Bay, but he's uh, he's been a game changer, and I don't think they would be here right now if they didn't draft Evan McPherson, which is a testament to how good he's been this year as a rookie.
1: All right, James, I'm going to make a statement, and please feel free to react and or correct if necessary because <laughs> I'll be taking a little bit of a shot at the Bengals. Um, I did read this morning that, Evan McPherson's jersey is now no longer available because they have run out of them, but there <laughs> yeah. was a big run on them in Cincinnati. Understandably. So the kid, all he does is win games for you, but they don't have enough backup. to. They can't get them into production to get them ready for this week. I'm guessing that has something to do with the penny pinching team that the Bengals are, that they don't have excess jerseys ready to go or blank jerseys. You could just add the name to shame on them. Is there another reason that I'm not seeing or is it the Bengals being the Bengals?
7: Oh, I, I don't know about that. I, I think that really what it is, it's a testament to how unforeseen this was, right? It, it, this type of run. And i th- again, I even if you would have told me a month ago, they're going to be in the AFC title game. I'm like, okay, Burrow's playing great. And I guess you could see it, but really like, uh, I don't know about that. And, and yet, here we are. I mean, before they played the Chiefs and clinched the AFC North on January 2nd, there was a lot of talk. They, they had to win one of two games, the Chiefs or the Browns in the season finale to, to clinch the division. And it's like, man, that's that's a tough one too. And who knows? Maybe the Browns squeak into the play. Like, there was so much talk of that. And instead, the Bengals said, nope, they won that Chiefs game. And their starters have won, what is it, five straight now, because you don't count that last week against the Browns where they didn't play anyone, including Joe Burrow. So, no, I just think it was unforeseen, and uh, and that's part of it. Now, to your point, <laughs> I would be on the phone with Roger Goodell like, hey, man, we need some jerseys somewhere. Let's figure this out. Let's get them in because people are going crazy, and this hasn't happened in my lifetime. It hasn't happened since 1988 um, where they, they get to the AFC yeah. title game with Boomer. Yeah, and so people are excited. It was just really unforeseen because I think fans going back six weeks ago still didn't really know what this team was. Were they a playoff team? Were they not? turns out not only are they a playoff team they're uh you know 60 minutes away 60 good minutes and it's much easier said than done away from a
2: super bowl appearance right well uh, james uh, uh, you know let me go down that route but in 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 a more substantive way in in the mm-hmm. fact that you know we were just Jody and I were talking about marvin lewis before he came on we got down some kind of wormhole and obviously marvin uh took the Bengals to I think it was 6 playoff appearances in 7 years but wasn't able to win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh Six which is difficult understandably uh, ultimately they moved on. But I've always argued that people didn't give Marvin the respect he probably deserved because Cincinnati's not the easiest place to win and in, in history I'll put it this way, you know, the Bengals haven't spent like Jerry Jones, when it comes to the off the field stuff, we have a salary cap on the field, off the field. You don't have a salary cap. You can spend whatever you want when it comes to facilities, support staff, all that kind of stuff. The Bengals weren't known as a team to go all in, in that type of thing. Have things changed in recent seasons?
7: They're certainly changing. I would say no doubt, you know, from fan experience to, uh, you, you know, r- really anything in that area, it feels like that they're investing more into it, you know, um, and, and they've made a, a concerted effort, right? They, they launched the Ring of Honor this past year. Just little things like that, that matter to a fan base, that, especially a fan base that's been starved, just to show that you do care. Because I do think, and Mike Brown takes a lot of heat and a lot of it's deserved, but I do think he wants to win. Now, does he want to win his way, and are there certain things he's willing to do and not willing to do? Absolutely, and that can be infuriating. But in recent years, they've spent in free agency on the field. They went and got this young, offensive-minded coach that was unproven, but that was the the trend of the league. And I'm sure Mike Brown was like, "Really? Is this what we're going to go?" But opted to go that route to to be open-minded, and it blew up in his face the first two years. But it seems to have panned out. So a lot, uh, I, I think a lot of things are are slowly changing, you know, little things that we might not see on the surface. Uh, and, and then the other part of it, the winning part of it, the investing in free agency, when you have Joe Burrow, who has the attitude that he has and it, obviously, it's not a bad attitude, but that leadership quality, everything that goes into it, I think it, it almost forces your hand to go all in on winning. Because of the, the the star he is, Carson Palmer was a great quarterback. I thought, especially 05, right? There was potential for him to be one of the you know best quarterbacks of franchise history. But what happened? It just kind of petered out a bit. I I don't think that's going to happen with Burrow because there's there's so much pressure. Palmer wasn't the star that Burrow is. They they need to win. He wants to win. He's going to go all in on winning, and uh, you know that's why he's in the second season in the AFC title game. So. It coincides with Burrow. But, yeah, there's a, a lot of little things, I think, that they've done in recent years – in recent – the past three years uh, to engage fans, uh, to show that they care, and uh, and it goes a long way. Little little acts go a long way with the fan base, especially one that is crazy about their team, like the, the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Let me follow up on the point you just made with my next question. Leadership attitude. Burrow's got them both in spades. We acknowledge that. We see that. Um, people use the word swag about Joe Burrow. And I can see that he surely has it. When you are the leader of a team and you've got that kind of swag, does it lay itself off on everybody else? Certainly they're following him on the field. Are they following him off the field? Is this becoming a more swagful team because of Joe Burrow above and beyond Joe Burrow? Because he carries himself the way that he does.
7: Maybe a bit, but I think a lot of these dudes have swag. Like Jamar Chase has his own own swag, right? Uh, Joe Mixon has certainly had it, even though they haven't won. Tyler Boyd, I would say, has it. Uh, T Higgins is a quiet guy, but but certainly has a little bit of that. And and so, um, yeah, I I would say they do. Heck, even Evan McPherson, right? They they have this. Swag confidence. No swag. They
1: can't get his uniform jersey to sell. <laughs> that you, yeah. you're you cutting them off the, at <laughs> the legs. That it's swag. That's terrible. Yeah.
7: No, I I agree. They need to they need to get some more more jerseys. I'm I'm sure they will. Right? You have to, especially if they win Sunday. Can you imagine? Yeah, um, better
1: get them before Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Yeah.
7: yeah um, <coughs> but no, I, I think a lot of these guys, and that that's been the fun part about this team is, yeah, Burrow has that, and he he kind of sets the tone just w- with his attitude. But a lot of these guys have that type of, of mental mindset when it comes to football. I'm not saying they're all the same guy and they all do the same things off the field and they all dress the same way. No, no, no. But they have that same quality that Burrow has. And when you have a lot of guys like that, then it is contagious. And other guys start to believe and buy in. And then the history doesn't matter. Like T. Higgins or Joe Burrow or any of these guys, Von Bell, Trey Hendricks, none of them care about the past. Yeah. And and, and what this organization was. And I I think that matters a lot when you're going on a run like this.
2: Yeah. And I think it matters this week because everybody's going to talk about Patrick Mahomes and how dominant he is. Andy Reid, the four straight championship games for the second time in his career, Um, all the playoff wins, all the history. And a guy like Joe Burrow is going to say, who cares? Give me give me the football. I think that's very important in a week yeah. like this. And that brings me to my next question, James, and that's Bates. You mentioned with Boomer, I think that was 88-81. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. That would have been Ken Anderson. Um, they've been there twice. they won both times. And they faced the San Francisco 49ers both times in the Super Bowl. Are we going to see a Bengals 49ers Super Bowl? Is it bait? Man, uh, one, that would be the ideal matchup. I don't
7: think you want to have to deal with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and and those dudes from the Rams. So if you do get past the Chiefs, you'd probably rather face uh, the 49ers. And they've already played them. So, you know, in, in overtime, they lost 26-23. So that would be fun. Um, maybe. It, it, you know, I could certainly see it being fake. And I, I give them a chance against the Chiefs. I get it. It's Arrowhead. It's going to be really loud. You have this just star, impossible, insane offense where Patrick Mahomes can score in 13 seconds and Travis Kelsey is so football smart. I, I don't know if you guys saw that NFL Films thing. But, uh, you know, he's on the sideline telling Tyreek what to do. And, you know, you know, it, it's a really, really tough offense to go up against. But, like I said, these guys – think that they they should win going into this game. You, you might not, I might not, that you know, the whole world might not. But Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Evan McPherson and you know I could name the whole roster. They think they're gonna go there and win. And that's the, the first step when you're gonna pull off an upset like this. The other reason why I, I like the Bengals to to give the Chiefs all they can handle, Joe Burrow is so intelligent uh, of a football player. And the mental side of it, the mental game, he got confused a bit last week. Mike Rabel did a great job against him. But this week, I don't think Steve Spagnolo, and he's going to have a you know a wrinkle or two. I don't think Burrow's going to be confused. He's seen that defense once. And so, yeah, there might be a feeling out process early. But I think he's going to get going from the jump. He's been really good in rematches against teams. Uh, last year against the Ravens and Steelers, he got blown out and they confused him. Those defenses got after him a bit. This year, he swept both of them, and he played well in all four games. So I think – and that's just one of the examples of rematches where he's been successful. So I give them a, a good chance. I understand why the Chiefs are favored. Um, a, a lot's going to have to go their way, right, as far as you know, turnovers. You're not going to have to – like the Samaj J.P. Ryan turnover the other day. Burrow puts it on him, and, and he just lets it go through his hands. And we can debate if it was an interception or not. Point is, it was rolled an interception. Those things, if you do those things against the Chiefs, They're going to make you pay, and it's going to be hard to recover. So uh, you can't have those turnovers. You can't get down early like you did in that first matchup against Kansas City. They overcame three 14-point deficits in Week 17. They were down 14-0, 21-7, 28-14, and found a way to rally. That can't happen uh, on Sunday if they're going to win. But I I do think they have a, a legitimate chance. They have the offense necessary, and more importantly, they have the quarterback to do so can they keep him upright with Chris Jones and company on the other side? That's uh, that's the big question going into Sunday's game.
1: Yeah, different location this time. Yeah, the Cincinnati Faithful to help lift them from those two touchdown deficits. Not going to be the case in Kansas City this week. All right, using last week as a template, um, and Annie Reed uh, didn't fill in the blanks on this. This is just my supposition. They probably came into the game and said, well, we can't let Stefan Diggs beat us. And he didn't. And we don't want the tight end Knox to beat us. And he didn't. And maybe even Beasley in the slot can't let him beat us. And they didn't. Oh, Gabriel Davis did to the tune of 200 yards. So he can't stop everybody in the passing game. That's one of the things Cincinnati has going for it. Chase is great. And Andy Reid knows it because he got 260 against them already. T. Higgins has been pretty damn phenomenal. And your tight end is a player. Is Tyler Boyd the key guy this week? If Gabriel Davis was the guy who almost got the bills there, could Boyd be the man for Cincinnati?
7: No doubt. You know, you could tell me any of these guys have huge games, including Jamar Chase. And, and, you know, I would not be shocked. And that's the beauty of the Bengals' vision of this Bengals' offense because they've invested high picks in these receivers. You have to pick your poison with Burrow playing the way he is. And if you want to cloud Chase or double Chase, try to take him away, that's fine. Burrow's comfortable with that. The Bengals – are comfortable with that because someone else is going to be open. And, you know, I, I think that really it, it might be a Boyd week. Uh, I also think it could be a big T Higgins week if they try to take away chase. And I was talking to someone who, who broke down the all 22 for me at all And I, uh, his name's, uh, Mike Santa Santagata. And he was looking at things. He was like, yeah, I think the bills anticipated that the chiefs were going to really try to take away Stephon Diggs, but they didn't do much. Uh, you know, the chiefs didn't do much that different, uh, than they usually do. And so if that happens, the Bengals are going to still throw at the chase. So we'll see, but I would not be shocked if all of these guys have pretty good weeks, but at some point Boyd is going to have, I was, I was telling this yesterday, Boyd's going to have a huge game, you know, a double digit catch hundred plus yard game. He hasn't had that in the playoffs yet. Could be Sunday would not shock me one bit.
2: Yeah, last one for me, James, I got to talk about Jamar Chase because there was so much talk back in the summer about him dropping footballs and and all of a sudden he's just the most explosive receiver in the NFL. I think he's 18 yards away from breaking the postseason rookie record for receiving yards. Oh, I think he's going to get that even if the Chiefs try to take him away. Yeah, what is it about this guy that is? And and part of it is the compliment. Look, you need the vehicle. The quarterback's getting him the football, but these guys have dated back to their days at LSU. Nobody's better on those deep throws, and we got a, a rookie receiver and a second-year quarterback. It's pretty pretty amazing. It is. It is. I, I've never seen anything like it. He broke. Chad
7: Johnson's single season receiving record for the Bengals you know in, in as a rookie as a 21 year old who took off last year so he's uh yeah and he took off I, yeah, yeah he's he he, he's off. been great and um so what is it about him? he's an athletic freak that's part of it right he can run catch he's super strong he's great after the catch and he's uh fast of course but he has great football intelligence, much like burrow where he just has a good feel for um, you know the play where the cornerback's leaning, all of those different things. So let's look at the the 19 yard game that set up Evan McPherson the game winning field goal last week. He was being clouded on that play. They were basically doubling him. They had a safety over the top, and he got off the line. They were pressing him with Jackrabbit Jenkins. He got off the line with ease, made him, you know, left Jenkins in his dust, and shook the safety and still got to the boundary and made that catch, got two feet down, tap, tap, now they're in field goal range. That's such a unique play for a rookie to make or any receiver to make. It's tough. They were trying to take him away, and he made both guys look silly. And that's why there was a little wall midseason for Chase where defenses had adjusted. He had exploded. Everyone was talking about him being offensive rookie of the year. And it it was him adjusting to life as a true number one, where the NFL is treating him that way. And for the whole second half of the season, he, he's seen that and, and adjusted to it, and the Bengals have found ways to get him the ball anyway, and, and he's still making game-changing plays. So uh, I would expect more of the same on uh, on Sunday. And uh, going back to the draft, I thought they should take Chase. I just thought he was different, and, uh, and that got a lot of pushback, right, with the Sewell stuff. And they still need to beef up their offensive line, there's no doubt. But Chase has been everything the Bengals could have wanted and then some this season.
1: Yeah. if The Bengals should lose this weekend. I'm not rooting for it or saying they will. I'm just saying starting Monday, you can start talking about the Bengals using a first round draft pick on an offensive lineman. Oh, that'd be a conversation you'll have the rest of the off season. But I hope that's not the case for your sake. I hope you're still talking about um heading on to another game two weeks down the road. James, we appreciate you greatly hopping on with us today. Good stuff. Have a great time on Sunday. We'll be reading you on Monday
7: sounds good I appreciate it fellas thanks for having me
1: our pleasure thanks, that thanks. is uh, James Rapine who my producer found for me last week when I said I needed. we need a Bengal guy to talk about it after the game if they win they did he came on was good with me on Sunday was good with us here today John McMullen and Jody McDowell aka Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365 let's see we got about five or six minutes left here on Birds 365 don't even think about tuning us out
3: go for the midnight dares
5: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock, more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
6: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. 1, 2, 3, because
6: Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
0: Coming
1: down the home stretch of a bird street sixty-five, and in case you're just tuning in, um Johnny Mack had some breaking news for us earlier in the show um it's kind of like breaking news it is but it isn't um the yields announced that uh, barrett brooks would be meeting barrett brandon not me. barrett brandon brooks yeah. will we be meeting with there. the media uh, barrett brooks may be there but he will not be the main topic of conversation that would be Brandon. uh we'll be meeting with the media at 11 o'clock and uh, john and my speculation is that it's probably the let everyone know that his football career has come to an end. Hope I'm wrong. Hope, he, hope he's going to give it another shot and come back. But um, I don't think the Eagles will be just blown away if that is the case. He walks away because uh, the guys just had a string of awfully bad luck and been injured and had the rehab and the like. That whole story about all oh, the Eagles were protecting him late in the season because they want him to have a, a off-season free of rehabbing. Yeah, it's probably a little BS uh, involved. And we'll find out if that's the case today. So John will be heavily involved in that. And we we'll would be talking about it here tomorrow. Uh, but we've got a good show planned for tomorrow. Um, Ira Kaufman from jobuckfan.com is going to hop aboard uh, because, yeah, I think Brady is starting to lean toward a potential retirement. Ira is the uh, Tampa Hall of Fame voter. So uh, I do want to throw a couple questions by him about it who's going to be making the Hall of Fame. They already had their meeting. They just haven't revealed the results yet. They'll do that uh, uh, the week of, of the Super Bowl. Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking to Ira. And also Mike Sielski's going to join us tomorrow. Johnny sent me a text and said, did you see Sielski's article about the Eagles uh, in the inquiry? And I hadn't yet. And I said, yeah, we should definitely try and get him on. Um, I reached out to Mike and he said, Jody, I can't do it tomorrow, meaning today, Um because it is the anniversary of the passing of Kobe Bryant. And Mike has since written the book about Kobe and his life here in Philadelphia uh, prior to uh, becoming an NBA player, uh, which is playing to rave reviews, as a matter of fact, great job by Mike Sielski, but understandable that uh, a bunch of people wanted to talk about him since he just did put out the book. um, Kobe Bryant, may he rest in peace, and we're still uh, grieving for his family for that great loss um looking forward though to talking to mike he said i can do the next day so we're going to punch him up talk eagles we'll probably get a little kobe Bryant in with him tomorrow as well all right i'm on the record i think brandon don't call me barrett books is retiring today what say you
2: Yes, I think it is going to, re- he is going to retire uh, today, unfortunately, and, you know, the Eagles have already been working behind the scenes uh, with sort of a, a restructuring uh, of his contract to lower his cap number for this instance, an indication he's not coming back, certainly with the Eagles at the bare minimum. Um, and it certainly looks like this is going to be the end of the road for Brandon Brooks. And that's legitimately disappointing because we talked about, you mentioned Ira and the hall of fame and hall of fame voters. Look, he was, in, he was heading that way for a while. Uh, but longevity is a big part of it. And unfortunately um, injuries pay, played a part and, and, and looks like it's going to cut things short for Brandon Brooks, but you know, when you think about it, and people think about this later when they always talk about legacy, but when you talk about Jason Kelsey at center, Brandon Brooks at right guard, Lane Johnson at right tackle, boy, that, that, that was special. And the Eagles haven't been able to put it out there as much as they would have liked over the past number of years. And we see how good this offensive line was this year. Would have been a heck of a lot better with a healthy Brandon Brooks.
1: Um, No, uh you're a better capologist than i am i think i understand it pretty well but you do better um they could be redoing his deal if he's going to retire the only thing you're doing is how to divide the money that you have left on its contract up over how many years it's dead cap hit money there's no way around it but you can the yeah, you can, you, you can yeah and
2: and the Eagles have done that and they've been good at it and but at some point yeah, ultimately you got to pay the money. Right. So actually our our buddy Mike Garoppolo had the numbers uh to 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 reducing his 2022 cap number from 19.4 million to 7.1 million. Uh the only 2022 cash is a 1120000 million non-guaranteed base salary and, and might put clearly a deal for cap purposes and anticipation of him not being an Eagle this year. Um, and, and basically dropped his 22 salary down to the minimum, which probably voids the injury guarantees, but all that is sort of bookkeeping. The only question is, you know, does Brandon want to continue to play somewhere else? But it's clear evidence that he's going to be saying goodbye to Philadelphia, at least. He might be saying goodbye to the NFL. We'll have to
1: wait till tomorrow to see that. Uh, But, John, we get all the details on that today on his Zoom Fest. And then he'll be back with us uh, to talk about it tomorrow. And we do have two good guests uh, lined up, so it should be a good one tomorrow. Uh, Partner, I will see you back here in 22 hours. Looking forward to it. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob
2: Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.